Welcome into another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. I know I did. As always, it was great to spend some time with the family. I am going to be traveling pretty much every single weekend in December and, and even into January. I'm going to Connecting the Dots Baseball Conference uh, this upcoming weekend, which is in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is going to be a ton of fun. Weekend after that, I'll be at the softball convention in San Antonio, Texas. Then I got to do some family traveling, and then I'll be going to the ABCA in January. So hopefully I'll be able to, to meet up with, with some of the listeners. So if anybody else is going, make sure to, to shoot me an email or, or DM on Twitter. would love to meet up, and I'm excited for that. So I'm also excited for today's episode, which is with Cade Beloso. Cade is, is a current player. He currently plays for LSU. I've been wanting to get more players on the podcast going forward just because I think it, it it's the reason we're coaching, right, is to be able to impact players. And so it's important to to get their perspective and to understand how they learn and, and how they go about thinking about things. So Cade actually was was someone I had. I coached Cade when I was coaching with the Lima Locos, so my first year of coaching ever. So I'm not sure if Cade thinks I'm that great of a coach or not since that was my first year. But he's he's awesome. I enjoyed catching up with him. He's been at LSU now. This is his fifth year. So he, uh, he actually tore his ACL last year. And he talks about in this episode about being able to – to go through adversity, having an injury, having other things come up, and and just continue to, to battle through, and, and definitely looking forward to, to watching him play this year for LSU. And he gets into what it what it takes to to be able to play in the SEC, and you know what it's like to 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 train in the off season, like what a typical day is like as a as an LSU Tiger. So it's some cool stuff. If if you love college baseball, if you want to play college baseball. This is going to be a fun episode for you. So hope you enjoy it. Um, you know, one of the ways that actually I take that back, the way that this show will continue to grow and grow and grow is through word of mouth. So if you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy this episode, please share it with somebody. That's how we're going to get this thing to spread so we can impact more coaches and players. So appreciate you for doing that and hope you enjoy this episode with Cade Beloso. All right, we now welcome on Cade Beloso. Cade, appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So are you are you guys still – I know you said you're still in fall ball right now, but for the the listeners out there, what what exactly is a, a typical fall ball like? Like what is fall ball when you're playing college baseball? Yeah, uh, it's – I think it's a six or seven week – I think it's seven. Seven week practice period where basically you're allowed to practice as a team. Uh, and you get X amount of hours each week and you're allowed to like scrimmage and stuff like that. And uh, with the new rule happened like four years ago, you're allowed to play uh, two games against other teams. So fall ball is basically just another way of saying like team practice. Have you guys played those two other teams? We have one this weekend and then uh, one the, ne- the following weekend after that. Who, we played who McNeese did you guys play? UL. Uh, McNeese State and uh, ULL. ULL. Okay. How, how have you been doing this fall? I've been doing pretty good. Yeah, I've been seeing the ball well, you know, swinging at strikes, letting the letting the balls fall out of the zone. Uh, I've been hitting well, you know, playing good defense. So just trying to keep that rolling. You're you're a veteran. You're the veteran on the team. <laughs> yeah, the old guy. 
<laughs> what what is something now that you I mean you've since you've been around for a few years I'm sure there's there's a lot of good pieces of advice that you could give to younger players not just on your team but in general out there like what's something that that you've learned about yourself since you've been in college yeah I mean I've I've definitely learned that the, the game is hard and and definitely where I'm at in LSU and like the SEC like the, the game is so hard you can't just you can't get caught up in your emotions and and, and failure and stuff like that. Like you gotta you gotta separate the two, and you gotta just be the same person every day, regardless. Like if things are going really good or things are going really bad, like uh, you just you gotta you gotta be the same even kill guy every day and, and stick to your routine and stuff like that. But that's that's one of the main things I've learned is that like <laughs> you're not like in high school. Yeah, it's great you get hits every game, but college that's that's not gonna happen. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> is that is that something that you had to learn the hard way? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Like everybody told me, they're like, "Yeah, like college is way harder than high school." I'm like, "Yeah, like I get it," but like it's it's a real thing. Like you know, the the that jump is is something serious. But you gotta you gotta be in the right frame of mind to handle that with uh, success. So your freshman, it's interesting to hear that you say that because I was looking up some of your stats before we got on here. I mean, your freshman right. year, you hit ten bombs, and that, yeah, I had a really good freshman year, and like, and that's it's it was just weird how it happened because I didn't have a great fall, like I had a very mediocre fall. Like I, I showed some signs of good things, and I I had my fair share of bad ones. Like everybody on that team will tell you that, just like every other freshman. And then like, something just clicked, like. Two or three weeks before the season started, I remember just raking and then just continue that into the year. So, what would you say was the difference between that year and other years? Between my freshman year, yeah, because I know I think your sophomore year was the COVID year, so that doesn't really count. Yeah, so but that it, pandemic year is probably the biggest <laughs> difference. <yeah. laughs> I'm just messing. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I think the biggest difference for me was just trying to do too much my junior year, like that was the first time in my career that I, I really felt that I, like I pressed way too much, tried to make stuff happen when I should have literally just tried to be who I was and not try to get outside of my plan at the plate. And I did that the whole year and just kind of spiraled downhill until it was like too late. So uh, that was the biggest difference. Like my freshman year, I was just playing and having so much fun and, you know, just so like not carefree because I'm not, I obviously care about what I'm doing, but just like not worried about anything, you know, and, sophomore year kind of felt the same thing until the, the pandemic happened and then junior year I was just trying to do way too much were you were you worried about getting drafted is that why you, you were trying to do too much your junior year I don't even know if it was like that or if it was just like because I remember starting off really bad I remember starting off like two for whatever and I was like dang like I've never I look you know you're looking up at the scoreboard and you're seeing your average is like below the Mendoza line you're like all right <laughs> like, let's pick it up a little bit so like, trying to get hits but I wouldn't say I was worried about the draft or anything like that. Um, that that wasn't on my concern. I was just literally trying to do too much and trying to be who I, you know, wasn't. So it's kind of like uh, there's there's almost an art of to not care. You know what I mean? Right. Where, it's, where it's you care obviously, but you have to. And you said it perfectly. How your freshman year, like you were just having fun. Like I've never met anybody right. who the more fun they had, the worse they played. Hundred percent. Um, like you don't you're not you're not having fun and playing bad you're having fun and doing good like right right usually when you're doing bad you're you're anxious you're angry like stressed like all those things what's what's something that helped you get out of that mindset like was it just time or was there 
did you have a, an aha moment with yourself or did a coach say something to you? Like what helped you make that transition into realizing this isn't working? I need to make a change. Yeah. I mean, I'd started meeting with like a, uh, like a sports psychologist here at LSU. Like she really just like changed my perspective on like literally baseball as a whole. And like, just the way like I approach life, it's just like, I wish I would have met her the, <laughs> the first day I stepped on campus. You know, like I didn't, think to get help you know I never struggled like that before but I, I started talking to her and just started talking to some people who had kind of went through the same thing and you know stuff like that how how do you go about like finding your own routine at the plate now that you've been doing this for a few years I know that there's some guys like they they feel that they need to take a ton of swings before they go out there and play other guys not as much like what's what's your routine like yeah, so, I mean, I think our hitting coach now, uh, his name is Mark Wanaka, but he goes by the name Chief. Uh, he helped me find – him and Coach Jay uh, helped me find that routine that I really stick to now. So, I uh, to start every day, no matter if it's, like, an off day, scrimmage day, regular practice, whatever, I'll do, like, a set of rotational med ball throws. I'll balance on some foam rollers. And then uh, – are you familiar with, like, core velocity belts and stuff yeah. like that? So, I'll do some swings off core velocity belts and uh, – like kind of like hip movements and stuff like that. And then we'll just hop on a, uh, hop on some flips, you know, do some machines, stuff like that. But I, I mean, I think <clears throat> having a routine is, is something that's so big and like undervalued. Like when things aren't going good, you always have something to fall back on too. You're like, did I do my routine? How did I feel when I did that? Like, and it, it's just like an effect that, and it puts you in the right frame of mind every day, regardless if you went four for four with the game winning home run or you went over four and didn't touch a single ball all day. Like, so you just come the next day and do your routine. But yeah, they definitely helped me out with that so much because I, I never had a routine. I would just kind of do what everybody else was doing. Like my freshman year, like, I, like if people were hitting on the field, I'd, I'd just go hit them on the field. Or <laughs> if people were hitting the cages, I'd go hit T swings, with the cages, you know, what's the, you said you, there, you were balancing on foam rollers. What's that? Yeah. So, uh, like, I'll take like two mini foam rollers and put them on the ground and just mm -hmm. kind of like getting a hitting stance and balance for like two minutes at a time. Is that just to help with your, with your stability, help you feel balanced? Yeah, exactly. So like when like, and I'll get in there, like I'm actually like in my like hitting stance or whatever. And like, if the foam roller moves, like you find a way to like get back to balance and it just kind of helps with like uh, when you get fooled maybe once or twice, like a game or something like that, like, and you kind of feel yourself falling over to not swing and kind of feel what that feels like. So you just try to hold that position? Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. What do you what do you think on the uh, core velocity belt? What do you like about that? I love it. Like and so I'll I'll put it to where my front hip is and there's like a band connecting it and then I'll turn around so it's like pulling my back hip but you got to like pull it back so you can like feel yourself getting in that back leg and that back knee and so like that. I, I mean I'm a big big fan of that. I know a lot of pitchers use it. Uh pro guys that come back to LSU use it. So yeah, you're one of the few hitters that I've talked to. I mean, I've used it before for, for hitters, but you're one of the first hitters I've talked to who's who's uh, pretty reliant on it, which is, I think, really right. cool. I think it's, cool. it's a good product. Right. Yeah, I mean, I know, like, well over half our hitters here at school use it. Like, uh, our Chiefs are big. Chief and Coach Jay are big believers in that. They're big on that. <laughs> and then you said you do some medicine ball stuff, too. Like, like how how long does your entire routine take on a, on a regular, typical day? Uh, I mean, between stretching and doing like some activation stuff that they have listed for us, like uh, like hip activation, dead bug, stuff like that. Uh, probably anywhere from if I'm like talking to people and there's a lot of people there, <laughs> uh, anywhere from like 12 to 18 minutes. So it's not that long.
Not too bad. Terrible. There, okay, there's a lot of a lot of kids who are going to be watching this, listening to this, yeah. and I, I want to hear. I want you to say it so you know they don't maybe think that I'm making it up. What <laughs> what's a typical you know exit velocity? All this stuff. It's a big thing now. And I remember you know when I when we were together in Lima, like you were hitting dropping bombs even back then. Right. And I'm sure if there was exit velocity, it would have been really high. <laughs> but I, we didn't have that. But what, what's the typical exit velocity like? Like what what should be something kids if they want to play, you know, at the t- level you're at? Like, is there a range that you see based on what you can do and your teammates can do too? Uh, I mean, you know, everybody's different in terms of that. Like, okay. uh, I mean, I, I know some guys on our team that hit the ball like one ten plus. We have like three guys, four guys that hit the ball like one ten plus. You know, the and then the rest of and then the rest of us that are like kind of more human. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anywhere from like 98 plus 98 to 106 stuff like that but like I mean I I'm, it's like hitting it to me is just all about can you barrel up a ball and like when you're barreling up balls good things happen and like you just gotta get strong and that's where the exit velocities and stuff come about so I mean obviously you want to hit the ball as hard as possible but yeah anything 100 and up is great I know at LSU we consider anything 95 and above a barrel and so, okay, so 95. So would you say everybody on the team can at least hit 95 and above? Oh, 100% on our team, yeah. So I would say a good point starting point would be 95 and above. That's 95 what, and like, above. There's a barrel for us. You've got to be close to 110. <laughs> Dude, I don't, I don't know about that, man. I've hit, a, I've hit some balls like that before, but, like, some guys on our team do that pretty consistently. Really? That's impressive. Yeah. I think the hardest one I've ever hit is like 111, and it was like a ground out to the first baseman. <laughs> like, what are you going to hit, bro? Yeah, we won't say where where the ball went. It was it was a line drive somewhere. Yeah, it was split the gap. Do you think goal. Do you think that it's uh, the exit velocity and all that? I mean, do you think it's overrated? Like, is it something you guys talk about amongst teammates or no? Uh, I mean, we're, we're we're so big here on just like using the ground and using our body and letting the body like deliver the bat naturally that like and i know everybody on twitter and like all all the all baseball like baseball twitter people talk about like launch angle and like all this stuff like getting barrel depth and stuff like that and like yeah that's great but like how how do we do that like so like i mean we are pretty big on hitting the ball hard here like uh Coach Jay is very adamant on getting us in the weight room, getting us strong. And uh, so when we, we're using the big parts of our body, like our legs and our core, to swing the bat and to hit the ball hard. So, yeah, yeah, he's pretty big on that stuff. What do you mean by using the ground? So, like, getting your legs into the ground, not like – so, you know, when some people have a tendency to, like, come out of their legs when they swing. So, like, kind of grab the ground with your feet and just, like, use the use your legs. That's what they call using your legs is getting in the ground. Okay, so that probably that I, I assume that foam roller stuff probably helps with that a little bit too. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That and like uh, sometimes like when I'm not doing that, like our chief will make me take my shoes off and like literally grab the ground with my feet, and it it helps. <laughs> yeah. So you're just hitting bare. I mean, with with no shoes on, Stocks, just taking regular yeah. swings. Sometimes, yeah. Interesting. Absolutely. I like that. It's it helps. It's it's weird. Like, and obviously you don't want to foul a ball off your bare foot, but uh, <laughs> it helps get the concept of using your legs for sure. You you've always been somebody who's always had, like, in my opinion, like, like you always seem like a natural hitter in terms of just naturally moving. Well, have, right. have you ever thought about mechanics or have you ever gotten too into mechanics? Like what's your thought process on just mechanics in general? Uh, I mean, I think that I definitely made some changes 
in my career here at LSU that helped out. Like I know when when you saw me hit last, I had like a big leg kick, but now yeah. I'm more of into like a toe touch kind of like style like that. Like a Prince Fielder. And kind of like a Prince Fielder, yeah. Uh like Michael Brantley and stuff like that. Like I think that's one that a lot of us model our swings after here. And uh it's just like everybody's different, you know. But I mean I'm not really too big into mechanics. Uh, I'm just more like trying to just literally use my legs as much as possible. And like, and there's like, and Coach Jay will tell you all this and Chief can back you up on this too, is like when you're using your legs properly, your swing delivers naturally. And it feels like just one one motion, like everything's going great. And uh, like that elbow's tight to the body and, and you're like, your hands are just there to hold the bat. Like, so yeah, I, that's the only thing I really think of is just like hitting the ball off my back leg. You said you have a toe tap now. Yeah. What um, what what was the thought behind like trying that out and then because uh, that's that's one of the things that I've I've seen guys like there's certain guys who can pull that off and then I've seen right. some guys who it's it's just hard for them from a timing standpoint. Absolutely. Now I just think that like the toe tap gives you the the best chance for success in terms of seeing the ball. Uh, it keeps your head the most still. And that's, that's one of the most important things in hitting, if not the most important, is seeing the baseball, swinging at strikes, you know, taking balls, stuff like that. And I just feel that, like, that's one of the biggest parts of my game is walking and, like, swinging at strikes, controlling the zone. Like, that's that's one thing I take pride in is controlling the zone. So, like, the toe tap, it's just – it's uh, more consistent for me to see the ball and stuff like that. And it produces the same exit velocity. Like, when I hit the ball, I hit the ball just hard. So – Let's talk about what you just said, like walking, controlling the strike zone. I think right. that's what separates hitters the higher up you get. Is that is that something that you feel like can be a trained skill? Absolutely. I, I mean, granted, like you want to you want to be born with great eyes. Like you don't want to have to wear yeah. glasses or contacts. Like that's <laughs> ideal. Like, but if you do, like get contacts, get glasses first and foremost. But like seeing the ball is definitely the most important thing. Uh, controlling the zone. That's that's one of the things that separates elite hitters from good hitters from average hitters like uh, your ability to walk and not strike out and then your ability to crush mistakes and stuff like that like it's it's so big especially in nowadays when the pitching is so good especially in you know college and the MLB like guys are throwing harder than ever like snapping off breakers that used to be people's fastballs back in the day like yeah. seeing the balls the most important thing ever right now so what's your what's your approach or plan when you step in the plate because that's that's such a I mean it's such a valuable skill I feel like it's it's hard to it can be hard to teach that because I know there's so many players out there and I'm I'm be curious to hear what you have to say about this too especially what I see when they get to two strikes they hit the panic button and they start swinging right. at stuff that they would never swing at if they didn't have two strikes right so what I mean what's your approach or plan when you when you get in the box to help you control the strike zone and and be okay with walking Right. Yeah. I mean, one, I think like literally, like you just said, you have to be okay with walking like and, and on-base percentage is so big. And like the whole money ball thing, the whole money ball movie, the whole thing with athletics, like that's so important is getting on base because when you have people on base, the pitchers in the stretch, you know, you're seeing him a little better. So I got 10% left. You're seeing him better. And then, uh, you know, like he's, he's kind of doing something he's not comfortable doing. He's got to worry about a runner. So like that's first and foremost, really important. And then, my approach when I get into the play is number one, you have to step into the box with a clear mind. Like you can't, you can't be thinking about anything other than what you're doing right now. Like for instance, if you made an error on defense or previous at bats, like you have to clear your mind, 
flush whatever happened before and focus literally on what you're doing at that moment. So that's number one. And then number two is just trying to soft focus on the ball that's coming out of the pitcher's hand. So like soft focus, hard focus. Uh, what's that? What's that? Some people, they're not going to know what that means. What does that mean? Right. So like a, like a soft focus is like a, a general target, like kind of like a pitcher's hat or like a logo on a hat or something like that. So that's what we call the soft focus here. And then as soon as that arm gets to like right here, it becomes a hard focus. And then you're looking at that area. So it just kind of, something you can move your eyes over a little bit on uh, which helps with seeing the ball as well and then once that it just depends on you know each pitcher you know some guys are gonna be crafty guys where like they're literally not gonna throw you a strike <laughs> till you get to two or you get to like a good hitters count uh you could be sitting straight heater off guys or he's, maybe he's kind of wild where like it's either a fastball right down the middle or it's going to be like a ball so it just kind of depends on each pitcher but there's some things that uh, each at bat you have to do to kind of lock it in. And I think number one is clear mind uh, also with confidence. And then two, focusing on soft and hard focus. Love the, love the soft and hard focus. I think that's, that's really good information right. for, for people listening for sure. What about when you're, when you're having a, when you're up at the plate, you, you know, obviously you have scouting reports on, on some of these pitchers. Right. Do you have a, I mean, do you change your plan a lot based off of, you know, a pitcher's tendencies or do you just stick to a pretty generic plan for the most part? Well, I mean, we always, you never want to change too much about what's going on. Like you always kind of want to make the pitcher adapt to what you're doing. Uh, and I think that's just an offensive mindset. Um, but I mean, granted, like when, when a lefty's and I'm expect, I'm, I'm speaking to me because I'm left-handed. Like when a lefty specialist is coming in and he's just flipping you breaking balls like over and over and over again, you're gonna sit that right. Or if you know a, a pitcher really likes his changeup with two strikes or his curveball or slider with two strikes, like you kind of have that in the back of your head going into the scouting report. Like you read that, you're like, all right, like I kind of know what to look for. Or like maybe in, you know, in our our scouting's gotten so good, and you know, you've seen pitchers across the league for so long, you kind of think not get predictable, but they have tendencies. So like, I think, I think that's so big time is having a good scouting report and it helps so much, but uh, obviously like you have to be on time for the fastball. Like, I mean, that's, that comes back to, you know, every hitter in the world will tell you that you have to be on time for the fastball. Uh, so yeah. That's pretty How much good are you at, at picking up if a pitcher is tipping pitches or not? Like we saw in the world series. I know. Dude, I, I meant to ask you what you thought about that. Uh, you know, I, I just think anything that gives you a competitive advantage, use it, you know? Right. Like if in uh and don't make a big deal out of it to where the pitcher changes the the tipping or what was going on. What was McCullers with his knee or his hands last night or something? Yeah, like that? yeah, yeah. It's crazy how quickly yeah. those guys pick it up hitting, and then just make the adjustment. Right. They were hitting some nukes off of them. Oh I was my like, wow. Hey, baby Schwerber, dude. But, that's uh, you. I mean <laughs> that's my favorite player. I'm rooting for the Phillies right now. <laughs> uh but um I mean, yeah, I'm I'm personally terrible at it. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not really great at picking up stuff like that. But I know some guys on our team that can do it really well, and they'll let us know and stuff like that. But I'm more of just a I'm gonna get in the box and find out for myself. Like, if someone tells me what's coming and it's not that, I'm gonna be really upset at that person. <laughs> but I don't know. Your are eyes. You, your are eyes you surprised you at at sleep. the? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying your eyes tell you everything. Like, your eyes don't lie to you. So. Are you surprised at the level of of pitching, the, the, how good pitching is in the 
SEC versus when you got there, like maybe when you were a freshman? And it's been a couple of years, or has it been about the same? Dude, yeah, I mean, it's it was still good when I was a freshman, and it, it's it's still good now. You know, I, I just think the the uh, the young arms more than anything are just getting so good. Like we have some freshmen on our team that are can throw can literally throw the crap out of the ball. I'm just like, all right, like. I wish I could throw like you when I was 18 years old, but uh, stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, like when I was a freshman, we faced – every Friday night was a first or second round pitcher. You know, I'm, I'm assuming – I mean, not assuming, but it's been the, that way every single year. So, and I, I, I don't think it will change this year either. So, Do you, Did you ever psych yourself out knowing that it was a top prospect who you were facing? Uh, I wouldn't say like – psyched yourself out but you definitely get a little uh you lock in maybe a little bit more than you should but it, and granted i don't know why it is like that but you're like all right like we're facing him tonight all right let's let's go like let's go so have you ever been like taunted in the sec like I, some of those fans are crazy oh absolutely like yeah how do you deal with that how do you deal with that well i mean at first i'm about to move okay i gotta charge my phone at uh at first, it was pretty difficult because, like, you never, you never really get chirped like that in your life. In your life, yeah. you're like, all right. And then now, I think it's just funny. Oh my god, that that was actually really funny what he just said. You just laugh it off, <laughs> like, so you just get used to it and you kind of just laugh it off and kind of interact with them. And I mean, they don't, they don't talk to, I don't know, like, they get after it. I I, I think of like Mississippi State, you know, Arkansas, Ole Miss. Even the University of Texas, like those fans are crazy. So, what do you? What's your take, eight on on the the new rules, the transfer portal, the the NIL? I mean, obviously that's affected college baseball, and I'm sure you know it's affected your your guys's team. But right, what do you, what's your take on that whole thing as a, as an actual college player? I mean, it's, I think it's great. You know, I don't with the whole transfer portal, like. I don't think anybody should have to sit out a year just because they want to transfer. Like I, I know, like I know how bad it sucks to sit out a year just being injured last year, but like I don't, I don't think anyone should have to sit out a full year for that. So I think that's great that they changed that rule and like it's kind of like a free agency type deal or whatever you want to call it. And the whole thing with NIL is fantastic. Like I mean, we we essentially work like just like everybody else. You know, you're at the field for X amount of hours a week, just like someone would be at their office for X amount of hours a week and they're getting paid and you're not. So like now you can take advantage of it if you want to. So like, yeah, I think it's fantastic. I don't, I don't want you to say anyone's name, but what's, what's are some of the numbers that you've heard from guys getting NIL deals? Uh, I don't know about like overall numbers, but like, I know people who have their own merchandise company that do well, you know, people that have gotten cars, cars, uh, yeah, like cars, trucks. Uh, you know, some people get free food all the time at places around town. Uh, what else? Stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's all. That's the ones that come to mind. But it, it's been nothing but beneficial. So, do you have any any deals? Yeah, I have some. I have some nil deals. Really? What? Like, mm -hmm. are you allowed to share them? Uh, I mean, yeah, you can you can say it. I have one with Chipotle. That was pretty cool. Uh, Robac is free like free burritos for life. No, not for life. I got it for like a year. I got to renew it. But that's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, it's cool. You know what? Anytime you go like save money, I think that's great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Roback is like a clothing company. It's like a golf clothing company. Uh, that's pretty cool. 
just stuff like that. So do you have to promote them at all, like Chipotle or like, or how does that, how does it work? Yeah, it just kind of depends. It can, you, I mean, some people or some companies will uh, ask that you do that. Uh, and then some, it doesn't really matter to them. So like, it all just depends on the contract they write out for you. So like, they're like, all right, we'll give you free lunch, but you have to post this on your Instagram story, stuff like that kind of deal. Or we'll give you X amount of money and you got to post two times or three times on your Instagram or your Twitter or Facebook or something like that. And then uh, everything goes through this match point app that LSU provides for us. So it's, it's pretty easy right in front of you. Dang. That's yeah. awesome, dude. Yeah. I like that. I, I have heard from what the biggest number that I heard was 250 grand. Somebody got. I mean, I know one of the gymnasts at our school literally makes $2.3 million a year with this stuff. So a gymnast. Yeah. Olivia Dunn. She's like one of the most popular uh, social media influencers in the world. She makes like, I think they had a, a tweet about it the other day. She made like 2.3 mil. What? It's what? insane. <laughs> like, you're telling me as a college kid, you wouldn't want to get a part of that. Like, come on. <laughs> wow. We need yeah. to get you, Kate. We need to get you a $2.3 million deal this year. Tell you what, that'd be sick. <laughs> dang that's crazy yeah. wow and i, I mean, can't even I imagine what some of those football players are getting if a gymnast is getting yeah. 2.3 yeah so i mean i know bryce young from alabama makes a lot of money you know some guys from texas they make a lot of money it's it's crazy so kate I, one, of the, one of the last things i want to ask you about is is what what's a a typical day and maybe we can just go fall ball day but or okay. or you know during this like what's a typical day like for you i think that'd be interesting for for kids out there who want to play in college but you know yeah. they're working hard now but they don't really know what it takes to 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 play college baseball i mean where where you're at especially at the highest level right. in the sec yeah i mean it the days are long uh I, i'm not gonna sugarcoat it for anybody listening especially young kids that have aspirations to to play and, and it shouldn't scare you it should excite you uh, if, if that really is what you want. But so a typical day in fall ball. Now, granted, today's off, so I'm not going to use today as an off day. But uh, so we usually do 6.30 weights. So we'll have 6.30 a.m. weights. Uh, then we'll have a little breakfast after. So let's say 8.30. And then uh, some guys have classes from like 9 to 12, uh, depending on what grade, you know, what's your major, stuff like that. So block that. Practice starts at 3 o'clock for us. But you're uh, – you're expected to do early work. So you get your early work done from like one to two, uh, stretch out a little bit, hang out a little bit. So practice from three to six uh, and then dinner after that. And then if you have to do homework, do homework after that. If not, go to bed. So it's a pretty full day. So you're pretty much going six, six starting at six or six 30 in the morning and going to, uh, I mean, what do you have home? What time you, do guys normally get done with homework and everything? Nine 30, 10. Yeah. I mean, it depends on your amount that week, but uh, probably like an hour, hour of homework. That's pretty, that's pretty, I mean. It's a long day. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's intense during fall ball and stuff like that. Now, when we do like four-on-ones and like uh, before fall period, like it, it's not as intense, but you're still there for a good amount of time. But fall ball is, yeah, you got to get your mind right for sure. You can't, and I think that one thing that is so, so beneficial and especially for young kids listening uh, is to, literally don't get behind in school and just do your homework on off days. So like you can take advantage of when you have practice days and, you know, time management is so important. And then you know, I think that's, it's good for everybody to it. You kind of have to figure it out on your own, like how to manage your time and what you're good at, what you're not good at. Like if you're good at waking up early, 
great. Get some stuff done. But if you're not, then <laughs> you got to take advantage of stuff on other days. So time management's huge. Based on what you've seen from, from freshmen, from the, you know, the guys who are freshmen, not just this year, last year, year before, just in your time at LSU, when you've seen guys who have, have struggled, what's been a, a couple of the reasons like why you think that they've struggled? Uh, you know, it, it could be some mental, like just mentally trying to do too much or mentally not just literally, just like you said, struggling, like they've never struggled before. Like pitchers have never gotten lit up like they have in college before. Like in high school, you, if you're, you pretty much dominate every time, right? Like you might give up a couple hits a game, but uh, you, you're going to get barreled and you're going to get tough at bats every time. And then hitters, you've never faced pitching like that before. Maybe if you go to like a perfect game, all American event or something like maybe at Lake point for the WWBA, like you face a good pitcher, like once a, like a really good pitcher, like once a summer or something like that, but it's, it's every day and pretty much every inning, <laughs> you know, yeah. here at LSU. So I think just like handling adversity is, is could be a reason why people struggle. Now, granted you have to like baseball is a game of averages and, you know, the averages even out, but so I think that's just main thing. What about the like the transfer portal? Like you see a lot of guys transferring now. Is there? Yeah. It, it's rare that you've stayed at one place the entire time, right? Which right. I think is awesome. Right. But there's so many guys who transfer now. Like just reflecting back on what you've seen, your own experience. What would be something that what what piece of advice would you give kids going through the recruiting process now, having talked to and, and played with guys who have decided to leave and then guys who have come in and they all have different stories and things like that of of reasons why they left. Is there anything right. that sticks out to you that that you think that like you need to make sure a school has X, Y and Z in place for you to go there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think one, you should look at the development program. Like, uh, are you going to go there and get better? Uh, are you going to go there and be the same player for four years? That's probably not ideal. <laughs> you yeah. should probably ask the coaches what's their like, what's their plan? Like, how do they do things? Like, how do they develop hitters? Or if you're a pitcher, how am I going to get a better curveball? How am I going to get more spin on a fastball? Stuff like that. Like, what's their plan for you? Uh, now you're going to have to go someplace where you love. You know, uh, I think college baseball is crazy. Like, you always have coaches leaving and stuff like that. So, like, I wouldn't. And, and granted, this is where the the little if it's iffy now is like the transfer portal made it easy to where you can transfer and not sit out a year. So like you can transfer with your coaches. So like, that's kind of, that, that was different from when I first got to college, but uh, just, you know, every they're, they're going to tell the recruits the same thing, uh, but which is great, but you got to be ready to perform when you get there. Uh, and I've seen it all the time. Like guys who are, you know, supposed to get drafted in the first round, second round, third round, come to college and not do good and not know how to handle it. And I've seen guys that nobody has ever heard of literally be superstars from day one and have great careers. So it just, you gotta, you gotta, it's a business in college and you gotta, you gotta perform just like anything else. Is it true that if you, if you go to, you know, a, a big time school in the SEC, obviously kind of where, where you're at, you don't play well in the fall, that there's a good chance you got to go somewhere else in the spring. Heard that, but like, I don't, I don't think that's a thing. Like I've seen people tweet about that and stuff like that. And I yeah. don't, I don't really think that's, I don't, I don't really agree with that. Okay. Uh, I think fall ball is more about just still developing. Like you're still getting to know everything and stuff like that. And I, I think you're just showing coaches what you can do. So like when the spring comes, you're like, all right, I can rely on this guy to do this. I can rely on this guy to seal a bag or this guy to take a good at bat or this guy to deliver a sack bunt. Like you're just kind of showcasing 
like uh, coaches what you could do. Uh, and then granted now what, what their plan for you is after that, like that's up to them. But yeah, I've, uh, I, I know we haven't had that happen. So I don't, I'm only speaking from, I'm from LSU. So I don't know. Yeah, totally. So what I heard there is you go to, you play fall ball. It's not that they're, you know, looking to run you out if you don't play, play well or anything. It's just, right. hey, you may not play much at all during the season based on how you perform in the fall. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that we have into fall meetings and they'll break it down. Like, Hey, you, you earned yourself at bats in the spring just with how you performed or, Hey, we want you to do this a little bit better so you can get at bats in the spring or stuff like that. So it's just, it depends on how you did and what you showed them. So, and each coach is different, what they value too. So. I think it was interesting what you said, just said before about how you've seen guys who are supposed to be first or second round picks come yeah. in and you never heard of them before and, and guys who weren't supposed to be anything and they end up blossoming into, into something special. Why, why do you think that that is? I mean, do you think that guys just get too big of a head when they get in and they don't think they need to work or versus kind of the other guys that Rudy type of mindset? Yeah. Like, I mean, hundred percent, hundred percent. It can be a little bit of that. Like guys just, you know, think that everything's going to be handed to them, stuff like that, and end up getting lit up or end up not performing. And, and especially with, like, no-name guys, like, you have to come earn the respect of everybody and kind of just be, like, gritty and hard-nosed and stuff like that and end up doing really well. So, like, I've seen both sides of it. Now, granted, I've seen first-rounders come in and be first-rounders, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've seen, like, kids you never heard of not do good. So, like, there's both sides of it. But, yeah, it's just, it's just all about the work you put in and, uh, you know, understanding what your coaches want out of you and, you know, getting really good at what they want. What's the average velocity, would you say, that, that you typically face? For our team right now, yeah. literally like 94. 94? <laughs> yeah, we have some flamethrowers on our team. Dang, 94. All right. Yeah, we yeah we have some flamethrowers. And, and in the SEC, is it about – is it similar to that? 100%. Yeah, you, I mean, you got guys that can throw the, throw the rock. Okay. All right. So would you recommend a lot of these young, young guys hitting off machines regularly? Like what, what should be something that they should be doing to, to help get them, get them ready to face those type of arms? Yeah. I mean, the best thing you could do is literally hit off a machine. Like, I mean, you got to face the arm and like in the box and stuff like that, but like in, in high school, it's hard. It's hard to do that before you get to college. And like we use, we utilize machines so much. We're, we're hitting off the curveball machine, we're hitting off the fastball machine, like cranking it up to, get used to now granted the season's a little different like if we're facing like a guy who's like a starter like who's gonna sit 95 98 we're gonna crank it up a little bit or we're facing the guy that's 90 to 93 we're gonna you know make it seem like that uh but yeah i think the machines are so good for you uh and, and granted you're gonna fail but if you're not failing you're not getting better so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i love that i'm happy to hear a player say that where you like you realize yeah. that just because you're not raking off it doesn't mean you're not getting any better you know what i mean 100 percent. like i mean there are some days at practice where like you have bad rounds off the machine and like you can get like granted you can get upset about it but you can't let it affect your next swing but like you're getting better even when you're failing and like no one wants to fail but that's the way this game's set up you know you can't just sit there and take bp off an arm or bp off flips and feel great about yourself because now granted while you have to do that on game day like that that's not actually what's going to get you best. Like getting off those machines are going to get you dialed in for that Vila. Awesome. Okay. This has been a ton of fun, dude. I'm, I'm yeah. so happy we, uh, we did this. Me too. Seems like yesterday we, we were together in Lima, Ohio. And that was um, a fun summer, man. 
it was a fun it was interesting summer i i i have to yeah. be honest i've never been back to lima since but yeah me either <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you one thing i don't miss about that summer are, are those bus trips at oh, all like yeah <laughs> it was like awkward buses where we were all yeah. sitting facing each other it was like a city bus yeah it, yeah exactly it was a city bus but i'm <laughs> i'm glad you're doing well brother and we'll yeah. uh we'll stay in Same touch and i i can't wait to, to see how you do this year absolutely thank you good to hear from you too